Hello there, Lauren Honigman. You got me? I'm whistling at you. Yeah, oh, there, you. there you are. Okay. Uh, good to have you, sir. It is time for our little weekly case in point. Yes. A lot of uh, headlines that make my head shake, like The Exorcist, I might add, like this first case we'll talk about. All right, let me set this up, Lauren. Sure. Two Kitchener men who pleaded guilty to trafficking teen girls. They were just uh, 14 and 17 years old. Uh, These are girls that were taken to hotel rooms in Windsor and London. These girls had no choice. They were prostituted out. They got, you know, told what to do. They were abused, never got any money. These guys plead out to that. They get a four-year sentence because of minimum mandatory, mandatory minimums. And now their lawyers are in court today arguing that it's a cruel and unusual punishment. And this is the kind of case where I say, really, this is... The very kind of case that no no lawyer should be even bothering to argue. Well, Four years no, is lucky. But they, they, they have to because it's mandatory minimums. You, you look at <laughs> this will be probably, and I'm, this is my own guesstimate, maybe this is case number 30 mm-hmm. since the former Harper government brought in mandatory minimums that have been challenged in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And um, all of the laws where mandatory minimums have been part of it they fall one after another. I mean, let, let, let's just look this year alone. Uh, the Court of Appeal here in Ontario, a case called Morrison, confirmed that the one-year mandatory minimum for child luring was grossly dispor- uh, disproportionate, unconstitutional. Then there was that Superior Court judge in, in, in another case said the one-year mandatory minimum for receiving a benefit from prostitution from a person under 18 was unconstitutional over and over. There's been about 25 of these cases, Alex. So there's there's no doubt that we'll see this no matter. And, and I agree with you. You look at the facts of a case like this. You look at what it is and you say how that could be. But how are their charters? Their fight- the charter is being abused now. I mean, let, quite frankly, I know that everyone else will kind of, you know, whatever at me. But the charter is being abused because how in, how in God's name can you argue that these men's charter rights were violated because of unusual treatment of punishment. They went out, they prostituted two babies, took all their money, and now we're supposed to feel sorry for them because one has a child of his own now and it's just been very difficult for them. I mean, how do they think the girls feel? Understood. But what they're talking about, the cruel and unusual punishment is what they're talking about is the mandatory minimum. You see that here's the difficulty. And and listen, I, I fully understand and I've railed against this uh, as well. But the difficulty with mandatory minimums is that you it's it's this one size fits all approach and it takes all the discretion away at, from judges and that's what the courts and the Supreme Court of Canada on several cases the Court of Appeal here in Ontario Court of Appeal and be all across the country that that what you do is you take away a judge's discretion looking at all different factors but why but why because I think we had too many cases where judges were using their discretion and not sentencing uh, tough enough and that's the reason that Harper brought them in oh, and yeah, so 100%. we keep fighting these and we've got rogue judges who go out on their own As, are you te- like no one can possibly tell me that four years is cruel and unusual punishment for these pieces of garbage well like if, I, if it was south of the border it would be 40 years you no kidding zero on at the end of it so we have a different type of sentencing system here that's why the Blame. liberal government they've come up with this new bill uh, that they'll try to amend the code to give the court discretion to vary a sentence when a mandatory minimum applies and uh, uh, if, if, if the case 
if the case calls for it. But hey, listen, no surprise. Don't be. You're surprised by this. Don't be. Surprised I'm not surprised. I'm grossed out by case. it. There'll be another case with facts. You'll go what? And another accused will will fight uh, the mandatory minimum because they're falling. It's like a domino effect. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I just I'm at the point now. You know, when when we're talking about guys like Bernardo, we're talking about Terry McClintock's, we're talking about these people, and we hear these cases over and over again. And then I read this, I'm like, what? What is the point of having a justice system in Canada when clearly we don't have a justice system? We have a therapy. We have a giant therapy session for people. Like, honestly, what is in it? How are the girls' charter rights not completely violated? I mean, yeah. they get nothing out of this. But well, again... And, and so, so I guess the, the idea is, is take away the mandatory minimum aspect and perhaps, uh, you know, when you start looking at, at the different principles of sentencing, you start maybe putting more weight on the punitive aspect, uh, on the denunciation aspect. We don't do that as much. We, we have all different types of, of ways of looking at sentence. Change it that way. But if you're going to just rely on mandatory minimums, mm-hmm. this is going to happen over and over again. And, uh, and we understand why the Harper government did it. It made sense back then, but um, the courts have not agreed. Right. That's where we're at. But where's the deterrent here? I mean, what's to stop the next? I mean, trafficking is a real issue in this country. We know this. And the cops spend amazing amounts of time and energy and resource to save these, mostly women, not always, but mostly young girls. And then, you know, we got some person arguing that these poor, you know, poor guys are just, uh, their charter rights are being, I I just frustrates me. I just don't understand where we're going with it. Understood. You know. I'm done yelling at you. <laughs> I love when you yell at me. I well, think that there's no. I I I think you 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 take it out and uh, no. But all joking aside, uh, your feelings are not. It's not just Alex Pearson feeling that way. Believe me, many people look at this, um, and uh, and the and the frustration is there. And 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 it won't change. I mean, there's there's a lot of good reasons why our system is better. Because I than than others, but when it comes Not to lately. sentencing, um, I understand the frustration. Yeah, it's just uh, sentencing no longer means sentencing. So that's where I'm headed. Uh, I want to talk about this Fredericton man uh, accused of shooting four people in Fredericton uh, a few months ago. This was a big yeah. story involving Matthew Raymond, um, and he literally stood up in court on Monday. Literally, and told the judge, "quote I should not have been. I should not have been in prison all this time. I'm not guilty to a to at least temporary insanity. The evidence is all there. He, being his lawyer, has every bit of the evidence. It shows exactly what happened. I'm not guilty. So we know now what they're going to go for as a defense in that case. But you know, uh, we don't hear this. What his lawyer? uh, You know, I. I mean, I know maybe people don't really care about how a, quote, lawyer feels, but <laughs> think about it. You've got your client. He's charged with four counts of first-degree murder, um, you know, the most serious charges under the criminal code, and he stands up, and you as the lawyer say to him, Raymond, sit down. <laughs> you know, up. sit down, and he ignores you. Yeah. He ignores you. And, um, and you can imagine what that means and, and the different um, – uh, the different routes that case can now or will take uh, because of that outburst today. Well, okay, I don't know so, if it has any any substance at all, uh, but certainly um, it, it, it's going to be something that's going to have to be looked at, obviously, closely as this case goes ahead. Certainly, and I'll, I'll remove this particular case, but if someone stands up and does that in a courtroom, 
you know, you can't help or I can't help but think, okay, so you know how to work the system. So now clearly they're going to have to bring in, and they probably would have done this anyway, Lauren, in, in a case like this where they have the person assessed and all those checks and balances are done sure. with mental illness. Yeah, I'm and sure that. he has been. But at some point right. you wonder, okay, this, this person's clearly trying to work the system and go for a not criminally responsible outcome or, or you know, how often do we see that? Right. So... Uh, it, it, he should be exonerated because of temporary insanity. And that's like that me mean? on a nightly and basis. What, <laughs> what does that mean to him? And 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 exactly, you know, one of the things that may end up happening right now is his lawyer may have to get off the record because maybe he doesn't have confidence in his lawyer, etc. But you're right. right. You're right, and and it's hard to say whether or not this is somebody who's trying to play the system, uh, but just rest assured, let's be very clear about something. Just because somebody stands up and goes, I was temporarily insane at the time, uh, that doesn't mean that they're going down the road to some sort of an acquittal. Right. Uh, it just means that uh, they may have to come back another day now. Well, and, no question about that. And they're going to come back another day to set a date for a preliminary hearing. So and, then date, and, then date, and then another date, and then another date, and then another date. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to touch upon this case because this is something that I uh, touched upon when it actually happened at the time. This is a uh, St. Thomas, tiny little community, uh, I guess, near London. Yeah. But the head of a National Journalism Association is pleased because a judge has decided to acquit two Ontario journalists. Uh, this is a, a father-son team, John Houston and his 34-year-old son, Brett. They run a newspaper and they had gone to a scene like you and I had gone to a yeah. hundred times before in our yeah. career. They did what any reporter would do, which was try to get a shot of the particular offense being investigated. And they got arrested at the time because they were accused of going around the tape. But, you know, we, we've heard these kind of cases happening more and more where media is finding itself all of a sudden, you know, accused of doing something wrong. Um, but I think this is the right decision. And it's the right decision. And there's no doubt that sometimes police need to clear an area. Sure. You've been there. I've been there. It's 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 not a matter like it's where where you it's you just say yeah go wherever you want. But in this case, you know they it, they had no what the judge said that wasn't what this was about. They were they weren't closing a road to traffic during an investigation. They weren't trespassing, and nothing was happening to affect the investigation. The police just basically said no, you can't you can't come around here. And, and that's why this decision is very important. It's the same thing about the man who was videotaping on the street. Mm -hmm. There may be times where in those rare circumstances where, no, you can't do something because it's affecting an investigation at that second. And this case and that case, uh, it's good to see them happening uh, because we do have to have that balance out there. And you can't just have the police willy-nilly saying, no, 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 shut that off or, or move out of the way. Yeah. Um, so very important decision and, and, and good for that judge to make that decision. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think people should know the right, especially in the digital age where people are standing on public property and they, they come across something and the cops are saying, you can't do this or you can't do that. It's like, right. well, yeah, you can. You right. have, have rights. Right and to be present and observe the actions of the police. Yes, we do. And I know we've got a thousand journalists out there, yep. everybody with their smartphone. They want to be out there. They can be out there. Uh, if they're an impeding an investigation, Yep. That's a different story. Absolutely, 100%. And if you're yep. trained properly, you'll know that. It's and you and I, in our careers, never impeded an investigation. No way. No, no not intentionally. <laughs> All right, I got to leave it there. Thank okay. you, sir. We'll do Talk it again. See you soon. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren Honigman joining me here to discuss that. But uh, interesting headlines. That case out of Kitchener, though. Like, really? Really? No. Sorry. I think the charter gets abused just a few too many times. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.